1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well today Helen and I are joined on the podcast by Jackie Edwards aka Property Go-To Girl or as Helen likes to describe her the Doyen of rent to rent Now I did have to look up the word Doyen because Uh, Helen has a much wider vocabulary than I do. And I found that it means the most respected or prominent woman in a particular field. So there you go, then. We have perhaps the most prominent and respected woman in rent to rent to share with us today. Jackie was a very humble and down to earth guest, as as you'll discover, um, who was extremely transparent about the highs and lows and how she got started and then established in property. It is refreshing to hear, always not necessarily plain sailing. There were some tears shed along the way uh, that she uh, also had to overcome, not knowing what she was doing. Uh, which She did so through sheer determination, focus and a willingness to learn from her mistakes. So let's have a listen to what Jackie has to
0: say right now then. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Here we
1: are again. Helen, thank you again for joining me on uh, another fascinating, what I hope will be a fascinating conversation on uh, Women in Property series. And um, I'm very delighted to have join us today. Jackie Edwards. Jackie, how, how are you doing?
2: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am wonderful today. Thank you.
1: Perfect. Well, perfect. Well, uh, already starting to detect something of, uh, of an accent in your voice, but um, I'm sure we'll probably get to that at some point. What, what we usually do at this point in time with, uh, with our guests is perhaps I invite them just to share a little bit about their background and, and their backstory, obviously leading to property, but I know that people have a life maybe before and even after property. But if you wouldn't mind just sort of walking us through a bit of your background so people got a picture of who you are and where you come from, would that be okay?
2: Yep, that sounds perfect. So, yes, I do have an accent. I am American. So, I am from Michigan in the US. I moved to the UK about 12 years ago now. I actually, at the end of this month, officially become British. So, I get my citizenship um, in a couple of weeks. So, that's exciting. Um, Yeah, so I was an accountant before. And I worked with one of the big accounting firms and that's what brought me over to the UK. So I love to travel. I told my company I would like to go, you know, somewhere else. Uh, I only speak English. So England was kind of at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> so I came here 12 years ago. It was right at the time of the credit crunch, which unfortunately means the, the branch of my my company that I was in was like, super highly paid consultants that worked with lots of other companies and all the companies stopped hiring consultants. So there wasn't a lot of work going around. Everything got really horrible, that horrible corporate atmosphere. And that's when I started to really think I need to find something else. I didn't actually like being an accountant. Being there every day was basically soul destroying for me. Um, and then I had a whole foray and lots and lots of different things before I finally settled on property. I mean, I did network marketing. I did some forex trading. Um, But then I found property investing and realized that that was a really good way to move forward. There's lots of different kind of opportunities. There's lots of different strategies. There's things that work in all different areas. Um, And I... I am a bit of a shiny penny chaser, so I like to have lots of different options. Um Yeah, so that's pretty much what led me to property. At that point, I was living in Oxford, um, so I had moved out of London. I was doing contract accounting, so I had left my company, um, moved into kind of contract work, got a job in Oxford, and decided that that was where I really wanted to live. Loved it way, way better than London. I'm not a big city girl. Um, yeah, and... Yeah, pretty much decided to jump into property from, from that point. And oh, yeah, thanks.
3: thanks for that, Jackie. <laughs> um, there's some really interesting things about, about your background. You're certainly, from my perspective, not the first ex-accountant who's <laughs> made a successful journey into property investing. Uh, and I'm sure that, that says a lot about um, you know, really knowing your numbers and, and your figures. But um it's probably a good idea to cover your chosen strategy now, and you're you're probably i'd say it's not an exaggeration to say that you're the the doyenne of u k rent to renters, so perhaps you can talk us through rent to rent what it is and
2: um and
3: how you came to to work in that sector
2: yep, excellent so yes rent to rent is my main strategy and what I'm known for um I wasn't where I started. I basically did one of the kind of three day property training courses where you learn all the different strategies. And, you know, being the go getter that I am, I said, all right, I'm a property investor now. I can do all of these strategies anywhere. Um, and I basically said, anywhere within two hours of where I live. So I spent the next six months running around like a crazy person, looking at everything from like one bedroom flats to 20 bed, bed and breakfasts. Um, anywhere from I was in Oxford, Swindon, Gloucester, Reading everywhere looking at properties. It was absolutely crazy, hectic. And at the end of six months, I had no properties, no deals, and I hadn't actually moved forward any farther. And that's the point where my, my more of my business kind of training came in and it kind of clicked that hmm, maybe I should have a business plan of some <laughs> sort or, or just some kind of plan in general of what it is I'm trying to accomplish. Um, so my partner and I sat down and said, all right, what are we trying to do with our property business? And for me, the main goal was to stop being an accountant. So I needed something that was going to replace my income. I needed a cash flow strategy. Um, for, for my partner, he was basically, he loves his job. He loves his business. He was just kind of looking to support me and have a plan B. Um, so looking at the strategies that were kind of popular at the time. So this was... Um, just over five years ago, when I was really just getting started, um, the the kind of main cash flow strategy was doing HMOs. So we looked at HMOs in the Oxford area, but buying an HMO in Oxford is super, super expensive. Um, we also didn't have any experience um, as landlords or even owning our own residential homes. So we had no mortgage experience. Um, which was gonna help make us struggle to get a mortgage on a property, especially on an HMO, which in Oxford also everything has to have a license, um, which makes it again harder to get a mortgage. So after we had looked at that for a little while, um, we, went, we tried to look at getting joint venture partners, but nobody really wanted to invest in us as we had no property experience. And that's when kind of the rent to rent light bulb went on. Um, because we could get the cash flow, we could do the HMOs without having to buy the super expensive properties in Oxford. So sat down and said, all right, I'm gonna focus on just one strategy instead of trying to do everything. I'm going to focus on rent to rent HMOs in Oxford, and I'm going to do kind of everything I can to see if I can make that work. Um, And that's basically where it all started. And then I, yeah, I just did, I just did the things that everybody talks about that you need to do. I got the list of licensed HMOs from the local council. I sent letters to all the landlords, handwritten envelopes, the whole thing where I could barely move my hand after writing so many, addressing so many envelopes, um, and just slowly built up, built up my momentum. It took a couple of months after kind of making that key decision of getting out there, you know trying, making mistakes, feeling silly and stupid when I was talking to people and not knowing what I was talking about and just building it up and building it up until, until I kind of got that first property and, and it felt like after all of that struggle and after all of that time trying to figure out what I was doing and how I was doing it, it just started to really pick up once I got that kind of first deal Then it was like one or two a month for a little while after that of just getting the deals and getting things up and running and on board.
1: That's fascinating, actually, to be honest with you.
2: Um, and I think
1: you know a lot of people be interested in, in a strategy such as rent to rent, not least of which because it's, um, it doesn't require such a heavy you know, capital investment as buying the property. I'm sure that's part of the appeal for you as well, was not it? But um, equally, I think I-, I was surprised when you just said that you were going to tackle uh, an Article 4 area <laughs> um, and also tap up land, landlords of HMOs in that area that that's actually quite fascinating to me I didn't know that was ex- precisely where you're operating so what was your rationale there and how did that pan out
2: oh yeah I mean it it worked so so yeah, like you said Oxford is an article four area which means every HMO needs planning permission um, and Oxford is super strict on their licensing which everything with three or more tenants living in it needs to have a license three or more unrelated tenants so they just hit everything. But that also means, as a bonus, when you get the list of licensed HMOs from the council, there are thousands and thousands of houses and properties on there. So I had a huge marketing list. And for me, I knew it was going to be very, very difficult in an Article 4 area to turn a normal family home into an HMO. It, it was just going to be very, very difficult. We, we have done it, but I knew it was going to be few and far between, and in the kind of key areas, that wasn't really going to be possible because it was already oversaturated with HMOs. Um, but when I had first moved to Oxford, I I had just come on a contract coming out of London, and I I actually wanted to live in an HMO. So I was like, I'll just find a nice professional HMO, and everything will be wonderful. I looked at so many horrible disgusting places (laughs) basically all the professional hmos were old dirty student houses that had older people living in them the the standard of living in oxford was just dreadful it has improved a lot over the few the last few years a lot because of kind of the licensing restrictions that they put in but when it came time to doing property investing i knew that there was a good market in oxford for professionals because everybody in oxford thinks students when you think of properties and there are so many professionals that just don't have a place to live that is is nice and is of good quality so that was one of our big focuses when talking to the landlords and advertising to them is saying you know we can take your student house and you know we can we can bring it into the professional market we can we can refurbish it bring it back up to a higher standard and make your property a lot nicer and and add value to it and will take away all of the headache of you know your students or your horrible tenants that you've already got. Um, and because we had you know three thousand people to send these letters to, you know you're always going to get a few people that are interested out of that. And and basically that's how we went from there. And it also really worked well because then I knew all the properties had the right mortgage, they had the right insurance because they were already HMOs. They had all of the fire doors and the fire alarms in them. So. I didn't have to worry about that side of things. I could just go on and basically do a bit of painting and decorating, make the properties nicer, and be able to add value that way and get the right tenants in.
1: Wow. Uh, And uh, Mm. and just just so people who may be not that familiar with the model of rent to rent, um, you know, it's basically, I mean, I'll let you explain, but you're effectively buying in one market, if you like, and then repositioning and, and selling in a different market. Um, as you're rightly pointing out, but you're taking, in this case, existing HMOs, but maybe from the student sector and perhaps not the greatest condition, and you're repackaging them for a better want for better description and renting them out, out to the professional market, and, and you make your margin yep. between the two. Would that be about right?
2: Yeah, that's pretty much it. So I mean, I'm basically leasing a property or renting a property from an owner that you know they've got some kind of problem, whether it's you know they've had crappy tenants or you know, they've been managing it themselves and just not doing a very good job. Um, they might have had, I've, I had quite a lot of properties um, that had just bad agents. So rent to rent has been around for a long, long, long time, um, especially in the commercial sector. I mean, it's not called rent to rent, but the whole subletting strategy, it's been around forever. In universities, in Oxford, it, it was also well known because a lot of the universities will basically do rent to rent. They'll rent a house and then sublet it to their students. Um, so it's nothing new. A lot of the landlords were were quite familiar with it or were happy to do it. Um, and we just found the ones that needed help in some area. And we said, we can help you. We can take care of everything. Um, and yeah, basically repackaged that HMO, brought it up to a very much nicer standard, and, and rented it out to nice young professionals. Brilliant,
3: so it's probably a, a good point uh, in the interview to ask you maybe about your your highs and lows, uh, and perhaps wow. any barriers
2: and obstacles that you've encountered along the way. Oh, great question. I would say, especially looking back to when I first started, everything was just so new. And I really, I, I mean, we didn't even own our own property. I've never done anything in property before. So once I got kind of that, even even before getting that first property up and running, it was trying to negotiate. I I didn't really know what to say to to landlords or to agents when I was talking to them, um, and and a lot of people can be quite skeptical of kind of the rent to rent strategy. So it, it took me practice to to figure out what to say to them, and you know it took me sounding kind of silly to to realize that's not what I should say, and why don't I try this? And it was like that kind of the whole way along. Then I got the first property and you know, it was a whole new learning experience doing viewings to try to find the right tenants and to try to, how do you do referencing for them? And then the first tenants moved into the house and we had like a massive leak. We had to dig up the kitchen floor because the pipes were burst underneath there. There was no heating, there was no hot water. And and it was just, I felt like I was constantly learning new things. I was constantly outside of my comfort zone. I Honestly, I cried almost every day when I got started because there was always something new that I had no idea what to do with, and and it was just like, oh my god, is it ever going to end? I thought this was supposed to be easy, and I thought this was supposed to be all this passive income everybody talks about, and it definitely did not feel like that in the beginning. It was like, oh my god, what have I gotten myself into? Um. So that was probably the biggest challenge was just having to learn so many new things so quickly. And I do see so many people that struggle with this because we're also used to, you know, our day job where we're good at that. We've been doing it for ages. We studied it. And then you jump into something else and you think, well, I can see everybody else is doing this. I should be able to do this super easy and it should be no problem. Why is it so hard? Um, but over time... It got there. So now some of these same things still happen. Um, you know, we still have burst pipes every once in a while and, and all this stuff, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect me as much because I'm like, okay, well, I know I can deal with it. There's always an answer to every problem. You know, oh my God, we've got a horrible tenant. Well, that, that'll always sort itself out. There's always, yeah, there's always a way to kind of fix everything and move through everything. And so it's just not quite as stressful because it's all not so new anymore which is probably for me actually the high point because I don't really like to have stress I like to kind of be relaxed and have things nice and easy I don't want to be constantly having to do new things so yeah having coming to that place where I'm like oh yeah we've dealt with this before just take care of it move on everything everything's in a good kind of flow it it
3: kind of makes me feel a bit better to hear you say that that in the beginning you felt you know you felt the fear and you felt very stressed by going into something that was new because um so i i um decided to go into rent to rent a few years ago um and it didn't i never actually um took on a deal i i almost did but the circumstances in my life at that point just weren't really conducive so i had a, a young baby at that point i think he was about, yeah. you know like 6 months old or something as well as an older child um and my own business which is not property related <laughs> so not much yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really felt that when i was going to and um, speaking to landlords um you know about about their properties i just felt like such an idiot because um, yeah. you know like oh you know, they're gonna. The whole imposter syndrome thing was just going off. Um, but um, yeah, so it's 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 good to hear that from from you. Um,
2: yeah, it is something. No matter what strategy you're doing, it, it, anywhere, if when you're first getting started in something it's not gonna flow smoothly. I mean, you might go to the networking meeting and see that property investor and they talk smooth and everything worked out perfectly for them. You don't see it at the beginning when you're trying to explain to this agent what you want to do with this property and they're asking you all these questions and you're like, well, I don't really know the answer to that. (laughs) It's just kind of, you know, after every meeting I would have, I would go home and have a think and say, all right, what went well in that meeting? What didn't go so well? How can I change it and tweak it next time? And then the next time I'd just go to the meeting, say it maybe slightly differently, watch their facial expression, watch, you know, see how long it took them to understand what I was doing. And again, just just use that all as feedback to tweak it and tweak it and tweak it, and tweak it over time until people actually understood what on earth I was doing.
1: I want to maybe come in as well and, and, and just talk about that, because I, I looked at your website and you've written a couple of books as well. Um, and well done for sharing your knowledge with the community. Um, but I think if I sort of take a step back and look at what you did and just listening to how you're talking now, it sounds like it was just an absolute walk in the park, right? You just went out and found a couple <laughs> of properties and they just uh, landed in your lap and then you just collected all the passive rents and da 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 It wasn't like that, was it?
2: <laughs> no, no, it definitely wasn't um yeah it it was I, and a, a lot of it, even before, it was a lot of marketing. I mean, I sent thousands of letters in order to get the deals that I've got. That was my main. That was my main way of getting my deals. Is I, I sent those marketing letters, basically. Um, but I sent lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of them, um, and and I had a newspaper ad you know, and that newspaper ad was expensive and it, it ran for quite a long time. I didn't get loads and loads of calls from it, but you know, the, the deal that we got from it paid for it multiple times over. And, you know, I did leafleting by hand. I had postcards and shop windows. I tried so, so many different things and, and it didn't all happen overnight. And it, I talked to so many agents and so many landlords and so many people that just told me no, 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 no over and over and over again. Um, but you don't, you don't need everybody to tell you yes. It doesn't work for everybody. Not every landlord is ready for rent to rent and it doesn't help every single landlord. But you just need to find the ones that you can help and the ones that you can add value to their life or add value to their property. Um and that's kind of that's kind of your job I guess in any property strategy is, you know, to find the people that that you can help with whatever you're offering so that they're happy, you're happy, your tenants are happy and and everything kind of works that way then. But it, it doesn't, it's not easy and it doesn't happen overnight. It just it takes time and effort to put it all together.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's two things that leap out, I think. with um, one, what you said and one, what I think I read you've done. And I'll just cue the words. One is mindset and attitude, if you like. And the other one is systems. So oh, yes. um, mm-hmm. I guess, oh, you got very excited when I said systems there, didn't you? <laughs> So come on. <laughs> why was that excitement? Tell, tell us why you sort huh, of I'm of a, a like huge that.
2: geek, I guess. And I love systems. So um, so funny, because when I was an accountant, I didn't do so much on the numbers side. I mean, of course, I had to know a bit of the numbers and all that stuff. But my main thing was was around, you know, helping other companies make sure their systems were all and not like their IT systems, but their their kind of processes for. For how do you process an invoice, and how do you make sure nobody's stealing all your money and stuff like that um, so that 's the stuff that i 'm really really interested in, and I think that quite helped me build my business um, to where it is i 've got a small team now that kind of manages all the properties on a day to day basis i've got lots of checklists and procedures that that they can follow, so I know that they're doing things the way that I want things to be done I know you know we're we're not missing massive things there's no kind of huge holes that we're we're going to be missing or if there are I can kind of tweak and patch them up but I think it's super important as you're going along and building you know building your business or building your portfolio that you kind of just write down the way that you do things so how do you reference a tenant how do you know that this is the right property for you how do you you know do a viewing and just make notes of all of those things as you go along because then as you grow you can either outsource that to somebody else or you can you just make your life so much easier when you've got just a checklist that says, here's how I do it every single time. This is how I analyze a deal. And, you know, you're looking at everything the same way every time. So I love systems and I love processes. And that's just what I love. <laughs> <laughs> sounds,
1: sounds like it. And, and just a quick that's, one on the mind. Um, sorry. Really... I, sorry, Helen, I oh, just want to on. get the mindset one um, as well, yeah, because you it. talk a lot about the thousands of letters and no, 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 no. How did you deal yeah. with
2: all that? Oh, like I said, there there it was very it was stressful. There were tears in the beginning. It does feel like, oh, my God, it's never going to work. Why am I spending all my time doing this? It's a huge waste. You know, I could be having fun with my friends and family instead. I'm slogging away here. And and it is a lot of mindset because then I would think or I'm just going to be an accountant for the rest of my life and i would go to work and be like oh my god i can't i can't do this for the rest of my life i can't sit here and you know somebody else's company doing you know all of their stuff for them i want i want that freedom i want that flexibility so it was really having what was that end goal and knowing that i wanted that that freedom i wanted that lifestyle that that i knew was super important to me and keeping that kind of front of mind and you know i did i did all the vision boards as well to kind of keep it there and um, another thing that was super helpful is, you know, my, my partner luckily was was on board with what I was doing. So he and I had meetings at least once a month where we would sit down and go through how are things going, what's happening, you know, and he he would be able to give me a bit of feedback too when I got so deep into it was never going to work and, oh, this is all horrible. He'd be able to say, well, have you thought about it this way? And And that was able to just kind of open up new ideas so you know having almost like that mentor or that coach they're able to, to to bring you out of that negative mindset into something bigger but it's just having that focus on you know what is it that you're doing it for and a lot of people are like oh, I'm gonna make ten thousand pounds a month and that's gonna be great and that's what you're doing it for but oftentimes it's not strong enough when times get really tough 10,000 pounds you're just like oh it's just money whatever it's what does that 10,000 pounds represent or what does that money represent or what is the underlying thing that's super super important to you that is going to make you you know spend time away from your friends and family and is going to make you keep going when people tell you no 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 over and over again what is it's finding that deeper kind of goal that really keeps you motivated and focused because it isn't always it isn't always happy and pleasant and wonderful. You have to have something that's going to take you through those negative experiences as well.
3: That's a really good point. It's it's so important to have some, you know, someone who can give you a bit of accountability but also be your your cheerleader at those those tough times. Because there always are tough times, as you say. Yeah, um, but maybe to, to counter that slightly, how about um can you tell us what you'd consider to be your greatest success in property, and then maybe a biggest
2: mishap as well? Mm. So for me, where I'm at right now, one of my greatest successes, I think, in my property business is just knowing how many people I've I've kind of reached and helped. So I love the fact that I've got a team, and my my team is, you know, we're spread all over the world. I've got, you know, virtual assistants based in the Philippines, I've had a number of them, and just knowing the fact that I've made a huge impact on their lives just by being able to pay them a, a salary. And, you know, I've got a team and I've worked with a couple of people locally in Oxford. And it's been really great seeing the impact I've had on their lives just with these kind of part-time jobs I've been able to give them. And we work flexibly. We work from home. And, and that's it's been really great to be able to kind of, I guess, mentor and help those people, you know, in their lives and, you know, helping me in my business. And the same with my tenants is I've taken a lot of these properties that weren't in great condition and I've brought them up into better conditions. So, you know, the tenants have a a better lifestyle and and I do I follow the rules. So I've taken properties over from really dodgy agents that were just completely not doing things properly, like you know, one of the agents ran off with all the deposit money from all the tenants. I mean, he had the houses wow. overcrowded. He, um, he used to take the extra mattresses out for the HMO inspection so the council didn't know how many people were living in the property. So stuff like that. And it just makes me feel good that, you know, I've, I've made those changes so that there's just, people's lives are better along the way. Um, so, you know, yes, I've, mm. I've made money. I've got my own financial freedom. I'm able, I've got my flexibility and everything that I wanted. But it's also being able to kind of give back and see that, you know, I'm making things better for, for other people. Um, on the other side of that, the things that probably bring me down the most are, it's when you get those tenants that just are so miserable and horrible, and and just because you're, you know, an agent or you're a landlord, they, they feel like you're automatically against them, and and they're just mean to you, basically, where I try to I feel like I try my best to make sure everything's fixed and working well. And we had, um, right before Christmas, we had a leak in one of the properties and a pipe burst. And of course, it burst right on top of the, uh, right above the fuse box. So then all the electrics were out. This is like three days before everybody goes on kind of Christmas break. And so we, the tenants were, were absolutely livid. I mean, this is seven o'clock in the morning. By 10 o'clock, my handyman was there. He had turned off all of everything and everything was safe and started cleaning up the water. By noon, we had um, the plumber and the electrician there. And of course we couldn't do anything. So we have to wait for it all to dry out before we can turn the electrics on. Mm-hmm. And the tenants were just so mean to me and horrible about how this was all my fault and how it was absolutely ridiculous that we couldn't fix it and take care of everything right then for them. And then I was like, well, it's going to, you know, we're probably going to struggle to get an electrician out next week because it's Christmas. And they're like, well, I'm sure they'll all work on Christmas. You're just not trying hard enough. And yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's things like that that make me think, Oh God, these people hate me and why am I doing it? Yeah. But yeah, but then it's taking a step back and looking at my other hundred tenants that are all happy and wonderful and yeah, not angry and horrible. So those are probably the, yeah, the times that I feel really, defeated.
1: It's tough. I think it's sometimes tough to deal with that. But I think, you know, you said a couple of things already just even in that answer and previously you talked about focusing effectively on the prize or the journey and where you're headed, uh get a sense of perspective. Because, you know, being being a landlord and you are a, you are still landlording in in the rent rent strategy, you know, it's it's a tough old game and you do get uh, mm-hmm. problems. I mean, I had uh, I've got a couple of properties in the states and um, just on Monday the uh this particular property has a well that supplies the water yeah wow yeah and um apparently it's actually the second well that this property has had and uh, there was a dirty well there was more than one leak and they just had brown water uh and obviously wasn't drinkable wasn't you know they couldn't bathe in it nothing it was just horrible and i got a call which basically said you know we're going to try it we we dug it up we're going to see if we can Put a sleeve in to protect it. Long story short, um, no, they couldn't. So we need to replace the well. But You can't just put a well in, in the ground. <laughs> right. you not
2: know? overnight. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, funny <laughs> enough, actually, the next day there are the wells being installed i.e. today. Oh. So, um, and in fact, in this particular occasion, the tenants are very happy. Because I the think they recognize, you know, I've jumped on it quickly. I've spent two and a half thousand dollars on um, putting a new well in. And that doesn't even include the rest of the work that's got to be done. I jumped on it quickly. And they recognize and one thing I usually say to tenants is this. I said, OK, if this was your property and you're the homeowner, what would you do? And how, yeah. how long would it take you? You know, so just kind of take a step back for a minute. And, you know, and if you're the electrician who's got the choice of, Carving that turkey with the family, or going out and fixing your leak—you uh, are well, not your leak, but your your electric fuse box. What would they do? So yeah, oh, I try and do that. But anyway, I digress. But perhaps uh, it's maybe a segue and a link to talk about the way you do things, if you like what I call principles or values. You know, do you want to just share a little bit about how you see the world and how you work, uh, Jackie?
2: Yeah. So I mean, I have touched on it, I guess, as we've been talking. But I I really do like kind of the the win-win situations. I, I like to make sure everybody's getting something that they're happy with. So you know, when I'm working with my landlords and doing deals there, I I see a lot of people whose kind of deals and negotiations fall over because they're they're trying to get like every single little penny out of that, and they they go in so low that even if the landlord has to accept because they're in such a horrible financial situation that they just need anybody to you know buy their property or take their property on, then they're they're still not happy and things aren't good whereas i like to make sure you know i'm getting enough that it's worth it for me and i'm making my profits but that the landlord is getting what they want too and and the same when i'm working with my tenants like i'm i'm open to kind of negotiating on rents and being flexible and understanding their situation as well and you know the dates that they want to move in and what they need in their room and that type of thing just to make sure that you know everybody's getting what they need everybody's being happy like the same the same with my team so i think that's a big one for me is just making sure that you know everybody's getting a, a win out of the situation um and everybody's kind of being i guess treated treated fairly as far as as far as we can um that's probably my biggest one my other i guess my other big value is kind of the around the freedom and the flexibility is i i love to be able to do whatever i want whenever i want and I love to be able to work from home and, and kind of do my bits and pieces as and when I need to from wherever. And I, I like to pass that on to my team as well and the people kind of working with me in that, you know, we don't have an office, so everybody works from home. I don't have set hours for for when people have to be working and you have to be kind of sitting at your desk at this time and you have to be completely available. It's as long as the job is getting done, as long as the tenants are happy, then you know, you can do it pretty fluidly around whatever else you're doing in your life. Um, and we do survey our tenants to make sure that they are happy. So every month they get a little survey text message that we're getting good results from. So yeah, I know I know that it's all working.
3: That's great. And I love your emphasis on, on customer service as well. And just Treating people right, which is certainly something that Richard and I talk about quite a lot, really. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's important because I see a lot of people who are like, oh, they're just tenants, whatever. But those tenants are paying the bills, basically. So I do want them to be happy. I want to make sure that they have what they need. That, And I found it because, you know, we do HMO, so there's multiple people living in this house that they don't all know each other. So reporting maintenance issues tends to lots of them won't report maintenance issues until it just gets so horrible that, you know, they're really angry and they're ready to move out before they've even actually told us there was a problem. So, yeah, so we do this survey email every month where we send them, you know, we send them how, what is it, how happy are you on a scale of one to 10? We ask them, are there any maintenance issues? And then would you refer us to a friend? Um, and And that helps us to basically open those lines of communication. So, they know we're out there, they know we care, and it gives them a place to, to say, yes, you know, oh, my curtain rail fell down or, you know, oh, the fridge is leaking or whatever the problem is that otherwise they wouldn't have told us about and just thought, oh, God, these people are terrible. They just never know that they just never fix their house. Um, so mm-hmm. I would like to make sure that, yeah, my customers, my tenants are are happy and getting what they need.
3: Yeah, that's um, that's really great to hear. Um so thinking about the kind of the state of the property market at the moment uh, and future direction, the future direction and trends, there's been quite a lot of tax and regulatory changes for buy-to-let landlords in recent times. It'd be really interesting to hear your take on how that has affected rent-to-rent.
2: Ah, oh, that is a good question. <laughs> 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 um, so I haven't seen huge changes um, you know, from my landlords and so lots of my landlords, they are they they've got these properties as, you know, their pension or they, they plan on handing these properties down to their children. So and a lot of them, they're not they're not investors, so they're not in it to maximize their cash flow and maximize their their investment they're in it for the long term most of them are in it for kind of the long-term capital growth um they some of these changes they're not really impacting them overly much um because because yeah they're looking at the long-term picture and in the long term the property market is still a good place to be if you're looking for that kind of capital growth i think personally and i see them thinking as well so i think there's more movement. I mean, none of my landlords are like massive portfolio landlords. I've got some that have, I think we're managing eight properties uh, for one land, one family, actually it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise they kind of own one or two properties here and there. They see it as their pension income. Lots of them don't even have mortgages. So the, the kind of mortgage interest relief thing doesn't really impact them because yeah, this is their, this is their investment and for the long term. Um, so and I, I see that for, for most people, again, it, as investors, it's looking at this as a business and saying, all right, well, that's just part of the cost of doing business. Now I just need to make sure my deals stack up just that little bit better so I can, you know, pay that extra tax and, and call it a day.
1: Yeah, and similarly, um, Jackie, uh, I mean, obviously, you, you started with, as you rightly pointed out, a, a strategy that's uh, aligned to your goals, which was an income replacement goal, a cash flow strategy. And, of course, rent-to-rents um, Rents is exactly that, L- low capital in, yeah. high income, and, you know, you've obviously built a business around that and systemized it and got people now. But obviously you probably know where I'm going. Um, you, don't, <laughs> you don't own those properties, of course. I don't know if you have options on them. But it sounds like with some of those that you wouldn't get an option agreed anyway with some of the <laughs> angles. So uh, are you, have you started to change and shift emphasis yourself and maybe divert some of the cash into assets, or how are you looking at, at it from your own personal Uh, property portfolio or property business point of view
2: yeah yeah exactly so rent to rent was basically my kind of phase one strategy so that was let's get the income so I don't have to be an accountant anymore and then then the goal was to kind of move on to phase two which was buying properties because you know yes rent to rent is great cash flow but for real wealth in the long-term and property, I do think it's from owning properties. So we own three um, HMOs right now. One was a lease option from one of our first rent-to-rents. We did have an option to buy it, um, and we have since exercised that option, so we own that one. Um, we've bought two properties, two HMOs in, in Swindon as well. Um, not my favorite place, but they... They were a little bit cheaper, so we bought those. And we're just in the process right now of buying another one of our our properties. So one of the ones that we manage on a rent to rent, we're we're just in the process of purchasing that one as well. Um, And so that is what we're looking at kind of going forward. So I don't really plan on expanding my rent to rent portfolio any further. We are looking to buy more properties. That being said, right now with all the uncertainty, I don't think this is the perfect time to buy properties. I think we're kind of at the top of the market and that there's going to be a bit of a a downflow at some point in the near future so we're not going to buy unless it's a really really good deal at the moment and then kind of save our cash to to buy after there's a bit of a correction um but yeah that's where that's where we're looking to go in the future so yes rent to rent is great for cash flow love getting the cash flow from that but we're switching to buying. And on a slightly different tangent, we've also just bought a nice piece of land in the Oxfordshire countryside. We're not going to do a massive development. We're actually building a farm. Um, So that's more of our lifestyle goal. So that's pretty much my main focus for this year is we just got our planning permission approved last week um, after almost a year of trying to go for it. And yeah, we're going to start building our farm. That's brilliant news. You must be really excited. Yes, yes, that was one of the big things we've been working for for a long time. So it's nice to see that really happening.
3: Great. So obviously you're now starting to um, realise your your life goals through property. Um, so it's a great point to ask you perhaps your advice for people and and women in particular, as this is a, a women in property series who are either starting or in the early stages of their property journey, or um, perhaps they are looking to turn around in some way. So what would be your advice and any top tips?
2: Ah, so my first kind of big piece of advice, and this is for anybody is, is having that focus. So like I said, you know, when I got started, I tried to do every strategy everywhere and ended up with nothing. But once you really focus in on what is my goals, what strategy or what business or what, whatever is going to kind of help me get to that goal specifically and focus down on that. I think that's when the magic really starts happening. Um, so that's probably a key one. I'd say for women, it's, it's, Just knowing that you totally can do this, even though everybody talks about, oh, property is more of a man's world and, you know, you're dealing with all these contractors, electricians, plumbers, and they're all men. I've found that, you know, as long as you're ever, I've never really had any problems or any feelings that, you know, oh, people are looking down on me because I'm a woman. Um, Even though I totally don't know what's happening when I look at a boiler, I don't know how to fix anything. And I do rely a lot on the engineer to help me. It's you know it's again just just being open to everybody's there to to help you, and you can ask them for their their knowledge and their information, and you can work with with people whether they're they're men or whether they're women, and you don't have to feel kind of left out or or lacking because you don't know everything that's happening um it's just kind of go with the flow of it and because I think because as a woman, you have a bit more like intuition and a bit more kind of, Oh, it's hard to explain it, but you've got a little bit more of that kind of flow in you. It's, it's almost easier to deal with all the issues and the problems that come up because yeah, you can, you can take it at a different level than, than some of the more aggressive um, solutions that men have sometimes. (laughs) sense.
1: You're choosing your words very carefully, Jackie. I got, it, but I, I can hear you loud and clear. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks for that. I, I think um, equally, um, I'm going to maybe ask you for some, maybe how people can reach out to you uh, in a minute. But um, maybe as a precursor to that, and obviously notwithstanding if Helen wants to to ask you something, I I think my sort of you know closing question might be something along the lines of, well, if you had to start out again today or next year, for example. Would you do it exactly as you have done or would you change it? And if so, how?
2: Yeah. So I think I would cut out that first six months of faffing about and I'd I'd sit down with that business plan from the beginning and say, what is it that I'm trying to get to? What strategy works to get me where I want to go because yes, every strategy works, every strategy works in different places, but it's which one is right for you for what you want to accomplish. So I think that's, that's what I would change is is starting with that straight away instead of chasing all the shiny pennies. And still rent to rent. Um, yeah, I, I really like that strategy. It's, it's given me the cash flow yeah. and it's given me such great experience of understanding what it is that I want, how to manage these properties, how to deal with everything, how to how to know what a good property is when it actually comes time to buying it. Because I've learned a lot about free and boilers and carpeting and structures of properties that I had no idea about in the beginning. And yeah, it's made it a lot easier for me to to kind of go on and buy properties from there.
1: Perfect, I was just giving it a little time for Helen to jump in, but um, hello, do, if there's anything else you wanted to uh to ask at this point in time, is
3: there No, I don't think so. I think um Jackie's given us a really good overview of of rent to rent and also um told us her fascinating story in property, so I think all my questions have been answered. Thank you well, awesome.
1: So- Great. Well, for me, just basically, I mean, you've been so, you know, sharing today, valuable sharing of of your story and insights and what you've learned. Um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people interested in maybe making contact with you, Jackie. So um, why don't you just sort of let us know or let our audience know, actually, how they could connect with you. And uh, if they do connect with you, what should they say? Oh.
2: oh, I've got so many options because again I'm a huge geek. So I've got a couple of websites. Those are probably the best places to to start with and to contact me through there. Um I've got rent to rentacademy.co.uk and property go com are my two main websites and you can contact me through there. Um I've also on Facebook, don't send me a private message on Facebook because I don't answer them. Um, but yeah, having a little chat in some of the Facebook groups, I love to do that. And, and being able to answer questions on there that can help everybody that sees them instead of just one-to-one. So those are the best ways to, to get a hold of me. And you kindly mentioned my books earlier. If you want to know more about me and my strategies, grab my books on Amazon. They're about rent-to-rent.
1: <laughs> they are. They are all about <laughs> I was reading up on that that earlier, and I think, uh, Helen, you've got at least one of them, if not both of them, haven't you?
3: I have. I've I've got the first one, but um, as I said, I took a bit of a pause from considering rent-to-rent, but it actually, in the last few weeks, um, it looks like I may have an opportunity to take on a a student property in in my hometown, Leamington Spa, and run it as a young professional house. So... Watch this space. Sounds
1: That's like me. a strong parallel, to that doesn't it? I think is there Article Four in in I uh, Can't remember, but certainly students. who there have, is. Oh, there's a, a lady who's been quite successful at doing that over in Oxford, I hear. So, uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll definitely um, have to look at uh, Jackie's second book and and perhaps uh, reach out in other ways as well
1: yeah Perfect. well jackie it's been a pleasure to have you join us today really enjoyed it the conversation you shared a lot and you sound really um how do i put it your energy your energy is coming over loud and clear in the way you've answered the questions so uh it's uh, it certainly sounds like you, you you're having a lot of fun um you've got the right sort of approach i'm sure it's not being plain sailing i know it hasn't you said so <laughs> um so uh, congratulations on all you have achieved and thanks so much for sharing with us today really appreciate that
2: awesome thank you so much for having me here it's been really wonderful you're welcome thanks
1: again bye-bye
2: thank
3: you bye-bye
1: well wasn't that an interesting conversation i really enjoyed uh, listening to jackie i found her quite an engaging uh, guest in fact Uh, and, and refreshing with her honesty and transparency as i said in the intro of course, she's based in Oxford uh, now and uh, is considered the doyenne of rent-to-renters. Although she did try a lot of different strategies initially, as you probably remember her saying. She tried everything and anything uh, within a two-hour drive of her home. However, after around about six months of chasing every shiny penny and found that she had nothing, she realized that she would have to have a plan, a business plan or a plan of action and focus if she was to uh, accomplish her goals. Now, she had a determination that she wanted to quit work. And so that was an income replacement or, in other words, a cash flow strategy that was important for her to pursue. So that's another thing that's come out of that. The main cash flow strategy at that time, which is 2012, I think it was when she started out, was HMOs. But in Oxford, they're very expensive and she herself would struggle to get a mortgage because of a lack of experience. And while she did consider joint ventures without the track record that, that, that she would need necessarily, um, it wasn't easy to go and find or attract joint venture partners. So rent to rent was the, um, the strategy of choice. I really want to just focus in on some of the activity level. Um, I'm, I'm I'm working with some apprentices at the moment, and one of the things, particularly with these sort of cash flow strategies, is the level of activity that you need to put in sometimes to get the results. It really is a one to two percent return sometimes. So I think Jackie talked about writing three thousand handwritten letters to landlords, and eventually she ended up with ten properties. So. They didn't all come from the letters either. Some of them came through an ad and um, I think maybe one or two other ways as well. So it just goes to show how much activity um, that needs to be put in perhaps to get the results. But Of course, now she's got, um, well, she had over 10 properties. I think it was in in the first year or something like that once the momentum had begun. And so there, there was a very significant payoff there. So activity precedes success, I think, is my takeaway. In terms of the highs and lows she she did say that she had to learn so many things so quickly everything was new to her every single step that she was going through was new and so she felt constantly outside of her comfort zone every single day was an opportunity to learn something new it was a positive way of putting it putting it rather of course she also said she felt a little bit silly at times, but the key point is she pressed on anyway. she went out and she felt silly. she came back and she reflected in fact I'll come back to that that, that she reflected and um, and and then eventually everything wasn't new anymore. Of course it didn't all go that well initially. Um, but after meeting, uh, sorry, after each meeting Jackie reflected, this is what I was saying earlier, and asked herself what went well and how could she make it go, you know, better or differently next time. And then she applied that learning to improve for the next time, so she was constantly refining her methods and her model as she went along. So, yeah, she tripped up a couple of times, But she reflected and she also mentioned with the help of a partner who helped her to see things from slightly different perspectives, she was able to modify her approach and I thought that was really interesting. Uh, She did also say it's not easy and it doesn't happen overnight and it takes a lot of effort. So anyone going into this thinking that they're going to get 10 10 rent to rent properties straight off the bat, uh, it's not necessarily like that. (laughs) It does take a lot of effort. Equally, the systems background that she has sounds like it's really helping her and that she systemized or at least put checklists in play for many, many aspects of her business. And I think the, the, I did come back to the point in the interview and I wanted to make sure that we got this out that the mindset issue was very, very important. You know, if you're writing 3,000 letters or you're speaking to possibly hundreds or even thousands of landlords, you're going to get a lot of no's. Um, it's stressful," Jackie said. "There were tears in the beginning, um, but she really didn't want to be an accountant for the rest of her life, and just took that away. She had an end goal which involved freedom and lifestyle, which was a very big motivator. And now, if you remember, she's she's bought a plot of land. She's building a farm in the uh, rural sort of Oxfordshire countryside. That obviously was her dream, and the ability to have a business which had provided flexibility. So it wasn't the money. The money wasn't the thing that would drive her forward. It was what the money could provide. It was the opportunity. And you know, having this sort of mindset, this sort of deeper goal can keep you motivated. I thought that was very, very interesting. And then when we talked about success, one thing in particular stuck out. And, and, and you know, it's easy to perhaps gloss over this, but she knows how many people she has reached and helped. And that includes everyone that she's touched, people within her business, the landlords that she's helped, and also the tenants that go into her properties. And this is really important, I think, to have this sort of mindset. You know, if we have an attitude of looking to help people, and we'll talk a bit about her values in a second, um, if you have an attitude to help people, then you, you're going to achieve success and results. It's not all about us. And in fact, actually, that's a pretty good cue to talk about one of her values, which is to achieve win-win outcomes or win-win situations, as she called it. She likes to make sure that everybody gets something out of the deal and don't be overly greedy. So uh, there's a focus here, isn't there? There's an emphasis of perhaps putting the other person first or at least on an equal footing to ourselves. Um, having you know having an attitude of helping people and supporting people. And um, and, and then the results will come back our way. So uh, you know, in, in, in terms of mishaps that uh, she put it in perspective that maybe one or two unhappy tendencies counterbalanced by hundreds of happy ones. So having that sense of perspective as well is really, really important. So the mindset qualities are coming out there. I hope you're picking up on that. Uh, freedom and flexibility was another of her values. So as I say, it wasn't all about the money. It was the ability to create a certain lifestyle for herself that motivated her to keep going, particularly in those earlier years. So you know there was there was so much that really um, that came out of the discussion. I think perhaps the key takeaway was the 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 sort of concluding part of, you know, when we talk about tips and advice, to focus on a key strategy. Um, you know, the, she talked about the six months running around here, there, and everywhere, and it wasn't until she really focused and locked in to a key strategy that actually things started to happen. Obviously, she worked very very hard to implement that particular plan, but that was key. And I think for women in particular, she said that you can do this and go with the flow of it. Quite kindly suggested that perhaps women are maybe slightly more more capable of taking things in their stride than than men might be. So I know what she was saying. Uh, and if she started, if she wanted to start again, would she do it the same uh, way as she did? Uh, she said yes. Apart from having that business plan uh, right from the get go um, and having a focus strategy that actually works for you. And if you've ever heard me talk at all on these podcasts, you know I completely subscribe to that way of thinking. So there you go. So um, we really enjoyed the chat. Helen and myself enjoyed that chat. And if you want to reach out to Jackie, uh, she mentioned the links to her websites rent uh, to rent academy.co.uk and property go girl.co.uk. And of course, she's written a couple of books uh, they are available on Amazon one is rent to rent getting started guide and the other one is rent to rent your questions answered. So make sure you check those out if that's a strategy that uh, you found at all in impe- I uh, would find at all in appealing, if I can get my words out. But anyway, that's a bit of a wrap up. I uh, Hopefully that's been enjoyable for you. Uh, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, if you want to talk about anything from today's show or just talk property investing more generally, you know, you can always email me uh, or indeed Helen podcast at thepropertyvoice.net and I'd be more than happy to hear from you. The show notes are also going to be available at the website. And I guess all that's left to say right now is thank you very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao.